Good morning, everybody. It's so good to be with you. We are going to continue to look at our sermon series on the Gospel of John. And this morning, we're going to be in John chapter 6. We're going to look at the first 13 verses here in just a couple of minutes. Uh, First, I want to uh, bring up a band that maybe you've heard of, maybe you've not. They've not been around for a while, but a band called the Velvet Underground. Uh, The Velvet Underground, when they first came out, like nobody liked them. The reviews on their first album was just garbage, and everybody just disowned them as a band. They said they were never going to make it. Um, In fact, they only sold 10,000 albums when their first album was released. But one of the most famous musicians in British music history, Brian Eno, made this comment about the Velvet Underground. He said, the first Velvet Underground album only sold 10,000 copies, but everyone who bought it formed a band. You know, pioneers and trendsetters and world changers, they often come from the unlikeliest of places. And today I want to talk to us about how Jesus can take our our meager efforts and how he can transform the atmosphere around us. I want to talk about the fact that Jesus is looking for people that will simply say, here I am, send me. And we find somebody that did just that in the passage we're going to look at in John today. So in John chapter 6, starting in verse 1, it says this. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went, because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover Passover celebration, and Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, Where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, Even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. And then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes, and the men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. And so they picked up the pieces and filled twelve baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. Now, if you've come to church for uh, even a short amount of time, you've probably been exposed to this Bible verse. This is the famous, or this Bible passage. This is the famous feeding of the 5,000. In reality, uh, you know, it was probably more like between 10 and 20,000 people. This just says 5,000 men, so not including the women and the children. I mean, you think about as much as 20,000. We're talking, uh, for those of us here in East Tennessee, we're talking about Thompson Bowling Arena, where the Tennessee volunteer basketball teams play. Uh, we're, We're talking about that arena filled. That's a lot of people that were gathered that day. And a couple observations I want to look at. I want to specifically look at the character, uh, the boy, in this story. We don't even know this kid's name. We don't know how old he was. But I want to consider a couple of things for, for just a minute. Consider this unnamed boy with the food that he seemed to be the only one prepared. You got like... 10 to 20,000 people, are, are you going to tell me that there was only one person that was prepared with food in that crowd, and it was a young boy at that? 
I mean, it's a, it's a really interesting observation. You know, this kid had a poor man's bread. It said that he had barley loaves. I mean, if you, if you had uh, adequate means back in those days, you wanted bread that was made from wheat, not barley. This was like a poor man's food. You know, he has these barley loaves. He has, he has a couple of salted fish. Um, it was a poor man's food, but at least he was prepared. And then there's another really interesting observation. You know, um, this boy, surely he wasn't the only one prepared. I mean, maybe he was, but you got to think in like a crowd of 10 or 20,000 people, probably somebody else had food, but there was only one person that was willing to bring it to Jesus. You know, there's a couple of thoughts that come to mind here. God can take the faithfulness of the, of the disregarded, of the meek, of the destitute, those kinds of people, and he can multiply their meager efforts. And so a question that for us today is, is what can we bring? What can we offer? This young boy gave us a great example, but he had these, these pitiful, cheap loaves of bread, but he gave it to the one that can make what Scripture calls beauty from ashes. It's interesting. It's interesting that God can take our meager efforts and do extraordinary things. And this is one of the most famous accounts in the Bible of him doing just that. You know, speaking of, of making beauty from ashes, I don't know if you've ever heard about a Japanese philosophy called, uh, wait for it, this is going to be a fun thing to say, wabi-sabi. Uh, Aaron's been preaching the last couple of weeks talking about, what, what was the term, razzle-dazzle. We're not talking about razzle-dazzle today. We're going one step further. We're talking about wabi-sabi. And you may be saying, well, what is wabi-sabi? It's a Japanese philosophy that basically looks at the ugly, the, the disregarded, the inadequate, and says there's beauty in that. And so if you look it up, you could Google it right now, wabi-sabi, there's, there's like a whole, uh, uh, there's tons of pictures on the internet of things that are wabi-sabi. So like a, a jar, for example, that was crafted, but that purposefully has a crack in it. And the crack is like the featured part of that piece of art. Or in uh, architecture, if you were to go to Japan today, you would see some houses that are made wabi-sabi style. A lot of times they're asymmetrical. And so instead of the perfect symmetry that a lot of our houses here in the West have they're made asymmetrically and they're really beautiful and uh, they your eyes are drawn to some of the quote-unquote flaws in the art and I think that concept is really interesting when we look at people like this boy who had a pitiful uh, type of food there was nothing great about it but he was the only one prepared or at least he was the only one that offered it to Jesus and Jesus did something incredibly beautiful because with Jesus, there's always beauty in the broken. He makes beauty from ashes, the scripture talks about. There's hope in nothingness. And in the, in, the, in the wasteland, there's hope. So the principle we can find in this passage and so many other places in, in, in scripture is to bring what you have in all its inadequacy and all its ugliness and see what Jesus can do with it. You know, several years ago, uh, they were starting to try to figure out how to track the roads and track traffic patterns. And so there was one specific company that kind of had monopolized this and they had all this equipment they set up on roads in the United States and in other uh, developed parts of the world. And they were slowly being able to uh, uh, map out the patterns in traffic, but it was so expensive. And then there was this Israeli company called Waze, W-A-Z-E. And they, they had this brilliant idea. They didn't have a lot of equipment. They didn't have much money. They had a very small 
staff, but they researched what if we started tapping into people's smartphones to, to map out traffic patterns. They did that, and in 2013, they sold their company to Google for, get this, 1.1 billion, with a B, billion dollars, 1.1 billion dollars. They had a small staff of about 100 people and virtually no equipment, and they sold it for 1.1 billion dollars. And it's interesting, we can track those kinds of things in all kinds of uh, networks going on in the world today. Um, the world is getting the idea, understanding the concept that there are power, there's power in people, in networks, in things that aren't necessarily centralized. And so, for example, Airbnb has the largest, basically, hotel chain in the world, if you will, but they don't own a single bed. Or you could look at Uber, they don't own a single car, but they have the largest taxi service on planet Earth. Now, what's the point? I like to imagine what a hundred people could do with the message of the kingdom of God if only they had the abundance mindset that Jesus had. You see, the world is understanding these things, but oftentimes the people of God aren't because they think they're inadequate. We have our little barley loaves, but what do we really have to offer? But Jesus, in this story, and all throughout Scripture and all throughout human existence, takes broken people that aren't qualified. He takes little resources and does something incredible with these things. Jesus has this pattern of doing this, but we have to step into what he's calling us to. We have to realize, oh, he can take me and all my flaws with all my inconsistencies, all the ugliness of my life, but he can take my faithfulness as I give my life to him and he can make beauty from ashes. Listen, the world is understanding the power of taking nothing and making something out of it and they're using it for worldly gain. What would happen if the people of God trusted God with the little that we have? June Jordan had uh, an interesting quote. It's very simple. She just simply said, we are the ones we've been waiting for. So often as believers in Jesus, we say, oh, well, when I get my life cleaned up or, well, you know, when a certain person comes alongside me and helps me with my problems and gets me fixed up or whatever the case may be. But right now, Jesus can take me and he can take you and he can do incredible things even in our brokenness. It's a wabi-sabi mentality, if you will. I heard uh, or I experienced uh, just a, a really interesting thing recently. I want to share the story with you. Um, I was driving through kind of a back road over in Alcoa here in East Tennessee, and um, I was kind of in a hurry to get to where I was going, and I noticed in the, um, in the lane next to me over on the curb, there was an old beat-up truck parked, and there was a woman that had just gotten outside of the truck, and she was running the opposite direction. So she was basically running in the lane beside me, the direction I was going. Uh, and it was kind of a bizarre thing. I was like, what is this lady doing? And so I looked closer. She had, I mean, she, I'll just be honest. She looked kind of rough or she looked kind of like her truck. Um, she wasn't all put together. You know, she, you could just tell maybe this lady kind of had a rough life. And she, uh, one of the most interesting things is she had two knee braces, a, a knee brace on each knee. I mean, huge knee braces. And she was, this is what was the weirdest part. She was sprinting down the road. Uh, and I was like, what is this lady doing? She was sprinting and as she was doing it, you could tell her knees were just jacked up because I mean, she was literally limping and with everything 
in her being, she was sprinting as fast as she could. And then I noticed what she was sprinting toward. There was a little box turtle going across the road. And I was like, oh, wow. And then upon further notice, looking down the highway, looking down the road, there was a huge semi-truck coming. So here this lady goes, she's going in. I mean, it clicked with me. And so as I got closer to the semi, as I was driving the opposite direction, I kind of flagged it down and tried to get it to slow down. And it did. And this lady got it. And almost immediately, I heard the Spirit of God say in my mind, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And I know it's kind of a weird story, but I look at this little boy in this passage of Scripture that we looked at today, and then I, I look all throughout Scripture, and I, I consider ways that God has used me when I was at my most broken self, and, and I've seen Him use others, and I'm reminded that God uses the meek, He uses the down and out, and He does incredible things. You know, that, that lady, I mean, I mean, she had no business getting out and risking hurting her knees any worse than they already were, and yet she's sprinting just to save this little turtle, and I think, what if the people of God would take a step out into what it is that God's calling us to. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. It's a wabi-sabi mindset. Uh, it's understanding that there's beauty in the broken, especially when we offer the broken to the one who can not only make it beautiful, but multiply it, multiply the efforts. So I want to just begin to kind of challenge us as we consider these things. Is God calling you right now, wherever it is that you're sitting or standing, is God calling you to something, but you feel inadequate? You know, what if that little boy in the story, uh, you know, what if, what if he never trusted Jesus with that meal? There could have been other people with food that day. We don't know for sure, but he was the only one that said, I'm going to trust him with my meager little, uh, you know, resources that I have. And what would happen if we trusted Jesus with our time and, and if we really trusted him with, with our money and maybe even with the places that he's calling us to reach out to or perhaps with the person that he's been prompting us to go and have a spiritual conversation with. You know, maybe God is, is, has been nudging you to explore getting involved in a certain type of mission or ministry is there something in society that, that breaks your heart that God has been speaking to you about those things about? And you say, oh, what do I have to offer? I, I got nothing. And I think that Jesus has a track record of taking your nothing and the nothing of all kinds of people and making something out of it. Perhaps like that little boy, you look down at your basket in despair and, and you think your meager resources aren't enough. And, and listen, I would say stop looking down at your pitiful basket and look up into the eyes of the one who can take the nothing that you have to offer and do something incredible with it, or the little that you have to offer and multiply it. As followers of Jesus, we've got to stop asking the question, what can I do? And we've got to start asking better questions such as, what is Jesus doing and how can I join him in that? When you pause this very moment and maybe you reflect on what it is that Jesus may want you to trust him with, what comes to your mind? Maybe even right now, what comes to your mind? What can you offer? What can you give? Um, I want to guide us in a prayer that uh, was written by Walter Brueggemann, and we'll kind of do this to fade out this particular message, and it's worth reflecting on as we consider these things today. So I'm going to read this prayer. You can follow along on the screen here. On our own, we conclude there is not enough to go around. 
We are going to run short of money, of love, of sex, of years of life. We think we should seize the day, seize our goods, seize our neighbor's goods, because there is not enough to go around. And in the midst of our perceived deficit, you come. You come giving bread in the wilderness. You come giving children at the 11th hour. You come giving homes to exiles. You come giving futures to the shut down. You come giving Easter joy to the dead. You come fleshed in Jesus. And we watch while the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor dance and sing. We watch and we take food we did not grow and life we did not invent and future that is gift and gift and gift. And it dawns on us, late rather than soon, that you give food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the, satisfy the desire of every living thing. By your giving, God, break our cycles of imagined scarcity. Sink your generosity deep into our lives, that your muchness may expose our false lack, that endlessly receiving, we may endlessly give. Amen.